Hey everybody, Noel here of Beyond the Neon Adventures in VHS and Pod Syndicate, the bonus shows. Uh, just wanted to drop you a quick message in here before you listen to this podcast as it's a bit of a, an oddity. It's definitely one from the archives in the truest sense of the word, I think. Um, so back in 2010, um, I had a podcast. It was my very first podcast uh, called Film Rant. It was also my handle on Twitter at the time, Film Rant. Um, some of you may know me from back then. Um, and yeah. Yeah, essentially that show was movie reviews, movie news, whatever was on my mind about film at the time, really. Um, and in 2011, I started a project on Twitter called Film Rant 365. The idea was I was going to watch 365 movies in a year that I'd never seen before. Some old stuff, some new stuff, um, animations, documentaries, all sorts of stuff. Um, and I did it. I watched 365 movies in a year and had a thoroughly good time and posted individual tweet reviews for every single movie that I watched. At the end of the project, uh, the intention was to put together a kind of an awards show, uh, a best of and a worst of uh, and sort of oddities of, you know, those 365 movies that I'd watched. Um, I don't think it ever finally went out, though. And I was digging through some old hard drives today and I found its component parts. Um, so I've stitched it back together. Uh, there is a bit missing uh, the section at the end, which would have been awards for sort of oddities. Um that doesn't appear to be on any of these files. So what we've got is essentially uh, my best films from Film Round 365 and my worst films from Film Round 365. It's also an interesting bit at the end where I kind of draw a line under the project and announce my new project, which is uh, Adventures in VHS, the book that I would then go on to spend three or four years writing. Um, so it's kind of interesting to hear me get excited about that at the end, I think. Um, so anyway, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I've not been through it with a fine tooth comb, so if if I say anything absolutely awful, um, then please feel free to cancel me on the internet. Um, enjoy it and uh, let me know what you think. Cheers. This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. to a very special edition of the Film Rant podcast. That's right, for one episode only, I have decided to resurrect the Film Rant podcast to celebrate my movie watching over the course of 2011. Uh, for those of you who subscribe to the ABFM cast and are a little shocked to be hearing this, don't worry, I'll try and keep you entertained for a while. And for those of you who don't follow me on Twitter, I'll give you a brief explanation of what this is all going to be about. Um, over the course of 2011, I decided to set myself the challenge of watching 365 films over the course of one year. Uh, the idea being that each of these films would be a first watch, so no, no re-watches that I happen to do over the year would count. So brand new releases, uh, unseen movie classics, any recommendations I had from either the online community or the podcasts or friends in the real world, these would all go towards an annual tally which would hopefully by the end of the year add up to 365. I should point out that although it is an average of a film a day, um, I absolutely did not sit down in front of a fresh movie 
on a daily basis, that would be a little psychotic. Uh, instead, I just decided to take the films as they came, which may have meant one or two during one particular week, or you know, four or five, six, seven a day on some occasions. Uh, it also mean any film festivals that I attended, anything that I'd watched then. And yeah, every time I watched one of these movies fresh, I would then tweet a 140 character or less review using the hashtag filmrant365 and the number of the particular movie entry. I will say it's been an amazing little project to do. It has sort of pushed me to, to watch more films over the course of the year, but it's also given me a little bit of a catalogue of, of, of everything that I've watched, all my sort of movie experiences over 2011. I'll be talking in detail a little bit more about what I'm planning to do in 2012 at the end of this podcast, but I will say I won't be carrying Film Rant 365 over into the new year. Uh, I'm going to focus a little bit less on watching movies and focus a little bit more on writing about movies. But as I say, more to come on that a little bit later. So as far as the format of this particular podcast is concerned, you needn't worry, I won't just be listing 365 films that I've seen over the course of one year. What I will be doing is I will be having something of an award ceremony. So I'll be looking at some of the better films of the year, I'll be looking at some of the worst films of the year, I'll be dividing them up into genres and awarding uh, them titles based upon that. I'll be looking at some uh, various little odd categories as well, so as well as having sort of best drama, best horror, worst comedy, all that type of usual gubbins and best actors and worst actors and stuff like that, there'll also be some sort of random little uh, oddities thrown in there as well. Uh, a little bit later on as well, I will be joined by my co-hosts from 35mm Heroes, Ian Loring and Jordan McGrath, and they will be talking about their films of the year. Um, again, this won't be the traditional sort of like film of the year that's limited to, to releases that only came out in 2011. This will be the best film that we've seen this year. Could be from 2011, could be from 1911. Um, it really doesn't matter. So um, yeah, Ian and Jordan will be joining me a little bit later on. They'll be talking about their most enjoyable movie experience, I guess is the best way to put it, of 2011. And then I'll be revealing the Film Rant 365 film of the year. Now that could be anything at this point. And as I record this, I actually haven't even decided it. So there we go. So without further ado... I will go to a little bit of a break. I should also mention that over the course of this podcast, you'll be listening to some of my favourite music from 2011. Again, this will be stuff that I've been listening to this year. So in some cases, these will be tracks from albums that came out in 2010. But, um, you know, this will be some of the music that I've been enjoying this year. So I hope you'll join me after the break, where we'll be getting into the film rant 365 Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Action Movie, Best Animated Movie, Best Comedy Movie, Best Documentary, Best Drama, Best Horror, Best Sci-Fi, and Best Thriller. Okay, so you all know the drill then. It was 365 fresh films over the course of one year, and that meant initially the idea really was, I guess, to um, to try and catch up on as many classics as possible. Um, it ended up being a little bit of that, but I ended up watching an awful lot of B-movies as well, uh, which some people would consider classics anyway. Um, 
I also watched a lot of just random stuff that happened to be on the Love Film Player. And I also, of course, watched an awful lot of films that were released in either theatrically or on uh, Blu-ray and DVD um, over the course of 2011 as well. So it was a real mixed bag. Um, I recorded all of my tweets in one big spreadsheet so that I'd be able to do this at the end of the year and, and kind of pick out my favourites um, and sort of look at what type of things I was watching over, over the course of the year. And I think that kind of elaborates a little bit more on, on why I would certainly recommend doing that. It's great to be able to go back and, and look at everything that you that you watched over the year and see what you were thinking and the the hilarious things you said about them at the time as well. Um, so yeah, I did have a couple of hiccups. Um, Twitter isn't the most reliable thing in the world, so you do need to keep on top of it. Um, I actually watched 368 uh, movies and the reason for that is over the course of the year there were sort of three tweets that went missing sort of around the around the April May time I think uh, or possibly February I can't quite remember but um, yeah I ended up with sort of three missing entries in in this uh, in this 365 so I had to go back and watch an extra three movies and sort of insert them in um, maybe that's cheating I don't know but it, it does mean that it's uh, officially actually it's probably film run 368 uh, but you know we'll never know what those lost three films were um, they can't have been that great though I probably would have remembered them um, so yeah as I say it was initially um, initially the idea was you know I'd taken a lot of uh, taken at least a few classics or films that I'd uh, that I'd been meaning to catch up with for years but I'd never gotten round to and the first award that I'm giving this uh, in this section um, is uh, something that falls directly into that category. Um, the movie's from 1960. It's uh, directed by Billy Wilder, um, who I'm sure many of you will know. He's done many classics over over the course of his um, directorial career. Um, he's won six Oscars. Um, he directed... Um, let me see here. Let's have a look. Um, some like it hot I guess is the most famous one but um, we've also got stuff in there like the seven year itch which is a film that I really really love um, and yeah plenty of writing credits as well for, for some real classics um, so yeah this was his 1960 movie The Apartment um, and it stars Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine uh, it's based on the life of a guy who is a little bit of a a little bit of a downtrodden fellow who um, tries to sort of make friends in the company that he works at and, and kind of climb the corporate ladder by uh, by allowing sort of the people higher up the food chain to to use his apartment um, for their sort of extramarital affairs. Um, what happens, of course, is he ends up getting hung up on one particular uh, woman played by Shirley MacLaine, and um, from there you sort of uh, you see a sort of uh, you see an obsession building almost and this romantic idea that he's got uh, of Shirley MacLaine's character um and how that all kind of falls apart um it's a romance it's a comedy and i guess it's a drama the weird thing is it kind of starts off much more comical and then it turns into a romance and then by the end it's pretty much a straight up drama um, and this category that I'm awarding is the uh, the award for best actor, and it goes to Jack Lemmon. Uh, the reasons I 
have to give this award to Jack Lemon uh, as CC Baxter in, in the apartment is just the way all this stuff is balanced. Uh, when the film kicks off, as I say, it's very much a comedy and, and you're dealing with this kind of hapless guy who's just trying to make his way uh, through the corporate world and sort of climb the ladder and, and do his best and it's a, it's a comic performance, uh, but it isn't long before that comedy turns into sort of, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's pining for this particular girl, um, so it, it gets very romantic. But then, as I say, it's straight up drama by the end, and there's some real, real touching moments, and he plays it so gently and so perfectly um, that, for me, it's an absolute shoo-in. Um, so, yeah, Film Rant 365 Best Actor uh, will definitely go to Jack Lemmon, uh, for Billy Wilder's 1960 movie, The Apartment. Uh, moving on to Best Actress. Um, Best Actress was a bit of a, a, a more difficult um, a difficult one to, to, to give, actually. Um, I think probably because I always struggle with Best Actresses. Certainly when award season comes around, I always kind of... There isn't usually that many to choose from, and I think it's basically because of the way Hollywood works, and you know, women don't always get the best roles. Um, and also, being the type of movie watcher that I am, and, and watching the type of films that I watch, uh, a lot of B movies, a lot of horror, you're not really going to get many standout performances in those types of films. Um, and if they are stand standout performances, it's basically because somebody got naked. Um, but I'm happy to say that I've got a Best Actress that I am very, very, very happy with. Um, the film in question is um, the second feature film from um, the director of uh, a movie which I was very, 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 very fond of when it came out back in 2009, um, uh, Duncan Jones. And this was his second feature Um and it was a, a bit of a departure from Moon. Moon was very much a, a, a sci-fi indie drama, um, whereas his uh, latest movie, Source Code, was much more of a sort of traditional Hollywood action sci-fi thriller. Um, and yeah, my award for Best Actress goes to Michelle Monaghan for Christina Warren. Uh, the character that she played in Source Code. The film itself was absolutely brilliant. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I was a little bit worried that Duncan Jones was moving into very sort of um, standard directorial territory, and it it very much felt like he. It very much felt like Source Code was his one for them. Um, if Moon was, you know, his his first foot on the ladder, this was kind of his opportunity to make a little bit of money, get his name noticed in in more prominent places, and then you know go away and and make some of the movies that I know he plans to make in the future. Um, certainly, things that he's talked about at, at length uh, online um, and in various interviews. But yeah, Source Code was his was a very a very mainstream film, but he was able to bring. He was able to bring a lot of the same themes that were in Moon uh, over to it. Uh, and at the centre of this sort of, um, I guess, at the centre of this sci-fi drama um, was Jake Gyllenhaal um, as a guy who wakes up in um, in a situation. He discovers the, that he's part of a sort of um, weird, almost uh, quantum leap-esque uh, 
experiment, I guess you'd call it. Um, and it's his job to kind of make sure that a bomb doesn't go off on a train. He ends up kind of um, reliving the same uh, period of time over and over again. And that's really where Michelle Monaghan's um, acting ability uh, really shines through, I thought. Um, she is charged with the task of, like Jake Gyllenhaal, um, reenacting the same scene and the same sequence of moments over and over and over again. However, unlike Jake Gyllenhaal, who knows that this is happening and knows that this this sequence of events is is going on over and over again and, and he's having to deal with it and figure out what's going on, she really doesn't get as much to play with. Um, she just has to go through the motions of being in this scene over and over again. So any of the changes that she does make to her performance in the individual um, little se segments, if you like, are very, very subtle and, uh, and very well delivered, I thought. And she's always been an actress that has kind of stood out because she's very, very attractive. I, I You know, she was... She she first I, I guess she first came on my radar when she appeared in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, um, but here I think you know she she kind of proves that there's an awful lot more to her than just a pretty face and she she really delivers a a great performance so yeah film round three six five best actress goes to Michelle Monaghan and that's for her role as Christina Warren in Duncan Jones's Source Code. So moving along from our best actor and actress, we're moving on to the genre section of the awards. Um, here I will be going through um, individual uh, genres and awarding a best of the year based upon that. Um, I decided to stick with just uh, eight genres. I guess there are certain areas that were, you know, some people might argue, oh, this isn't that type of film, it's that type of film. Well, you know what? I don't care. Um, I had to go through every single uh, movie that I watched uh, during the 365 and put them into a category. Um, and where I, thought, where I thought that something lent more towards drama than it did action, I decided that it was drama. Uh, where I felt that something lent more towards um, thriller than... Uh, comedy then that's what I decided that it was um, if you don't like it I don't care um, so yeah basically uh, these eight individual categories of genre uh, are action animated comedy documentary drama horror sci-fi and thriller um, it was interesting to kind of label these movies up and then look back over the course of uh, the 12 months and see exactly how much action I watched and exactly how much horror I watched and, and stuff like that. Um, the full statistics, if you like, are on the, uh, the Film Rant uh, website, filmrants.co.uk, uh, where obviously uh, you'll be able to read all of the actual reviews that I put up over the, the 365 as well. Um, so if you head to filmrant365, uh, sorry, if you head to filmrant.co.uk, you will see all 365 tweets that I did over the course of the year. So that's basically one-line reviews for every single movie that I saw. Um, here, of course, you're just getting the best. I could go through all the action movies that I saw and offer you five different um, nominees and then pick one out. But you know what? We'd be here all day because uh, 365 is actually quite a lot. Um, so what I decided to do instead was just literally pick out my best uh, my best action movie, animated movie, comedy movie, etc., and just talk a little bit about them. Um, 
the action movies that I saw in 2011, there was an awful lot of 80s action movies. Um, and uh, I don't know why that was, but there were, there were an awful lot of sort of almost cinematic crimes that I had to address. Uh, there were films that I hadn't seen that I really should have seen, uh, certainly based on the type of movies that I like. Um, and one name that will be... Um, one name that's very important to, to film around 365, based on a couple of the movies that I saw of his during this time, is Walter Hill. Um, he is a director and producer and over the years has uh, given us an awful lot of great stuff. Um, during um, 2011, I took in two films of his in particular from 1979 and 1984 and thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed them. Um, one of those movies was Streets of Fire from 1984. Um, However, the award for best action movie um, goes to his 1979 classic, The Warriors. Um, what a fantastic film. What an amazing, amazing fun time. Um, my tweet for this particular uh, entry was, holy hell, why haven't I seen this before? Great visuals and sweet sounds, absolutely perfect entertainment. Um, one of the categories that I have coming up later on is uh, is is best sort of rewatch value and that's certainly something that the Warriors falls into. Um, I was astounded that I'd never seen it before while I was watching it. It was one of those movies that I just never wanted to end. I mean it only runs I think 92 minutes um, and I you know it's one of those movies that sort of half an hour in I'm already worried about it ending. Uh, I enjoyed it literally that much. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, and I can't imagine there are many of you out there, so I wouldn't condescend to uh, to suggest uh, to suggest that. Um, but I'll I'll give you a plot synopsis anyway. Um, it's about a sort of uh, a future where gangs run the streets, and uh, one particular gang, the Warriors, um, are sort of falsely accused of killing a gang leader who's who's trying to sort of unite the gangs and bring everybody together. Um, and really the film is about them getting back to their home turf and uh, coming across other gangs and having to you know get out of certain scrapes. It's an 80s classic in the truest sense of the word. The music's fantastic. The whole feel of the thing is fantastic. And as soon as I watched this, I was immediately uh, searching for Streets of, uh, Streets of Fire, which is uh, Walter Hill's follow-up to this uh, from 1984, which again is an absolute brilliant, brilliant film. Um, I will say it was very, very difficult to to pick either um, Streets of Fire or The Warriors. Um, but, you know, in the end, The Warriors had the biggest impression on me just because I was completely blindsided by it. Um, if you haven't seen it already, you really, really should. Um, it made me curious about picking up the uh, the video game that I know came out a few years ago as well, so who knows, maybe I'll do that. Uh, best action movie, without a doubt, of 2011 on Film Round 365 is The Warriors. Uh, so from there, I'll take things on to Best Animated. Um, the Best Animated Award um, wasn't very difficult to pick, actually, because there weren't that many animated movies that I saw in three six in two thousand eleven over the course of the three six five that I was massively impressed with. Um, I did enjoy Tangled. 
Um, and uh, let's see, there were a few sort of like Warner premieres and stuff like that involving, you know, Batman, Superman and what have you, Green Lantern, Thor, um, the Marvel ones. Um, so yeah, there, there were some animated things that I saw that I was impressed with and I just didn't see that many animated films really. Uh, but there was one film that stood out head and shoulders um, above everything else. Um, it was a film that actually came out in 2011. Um, it was a film that I kind of didn't fancy going in. I, I didn't really know what to expect from it. I, it kind of looked like the animation might be a little bit ugly and not very, um, not very friendly and, and how wrong I was when I started watching it. Uh, directed by Gore Verbinski. Uh, this is 2011's Rango. What a film. It's one of the most beautifully animated things I think I've ever seen. I think we've gotten to a, we've gotten to a stage now where, where computer animation can be used very, 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 very well or very, 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 very cheaply. Um, and I think Rango proves that there's still plenty of stuff that we can do um, in, in, in creating sort of worlds that are semi-realistic um you know is the creatures that exist in rango are they are photorealistic in many respects but they're enhanced a little bit and kind of over caricatured a little bit um obviously this is is voiced by uh johnny depp um there's also some of the famous names in there isla fisher alfred molina bill nye uh, harry dean stanton timothy oliphant ray winston there's there's plenty of famous names in there but it doesn't feel like a showreel of famous voices like you might get in, in some sort of DreamWorks pictures. Um, it really is about the characters. And I think one of the most fantastic things about it is, while it is visually beautiful and it is cinematically excellent, it allows itself to be a little bit daring and it allows itself to be a little bit psychedelic almost. I remember watching it and, and and thinking that that was certainly something that um certainly something that that shone from it um it's you know it is obviously it's a mainstream release but um and it's a mainstream animated release and there'll be families taking their children to go and see this uh or there'll be families renting this out and watching it with their kids i should say you know for many years to come i hope um but I think one of the best things about it is just that it dared to do something a little bit different and push things a little bit further and um, and just be incredibly cinematic while it while it was at it. Um, no question at all, a movie that I will watch many many times in the future and one and one day when I do have children, I will absolutely sit down with them and watch it. Uh, Film Rant three six five best animated goes to Rango. Um, I'm going to move on to comedy now, and this section will be a little bit different because I've actually got two. Uh, entries here and I haven't quite decided which one is going to win so um, the first film was a movie that uh, we had submitted to um, I think we had it submitted to Grim Up North I certainly know that's how I saw it we we ended up with a, a screener for it uh, very very early on in the year um, it ended up uh, showing at uh, Fright Fest I think yeah yeah it did end up showing at Fright Fest um, and it's a a horror comedy that that really manages to get things right. In fact, both my entries here are are, are horror comedies, um, and both showed at Fright Fest. Um, the first one, though, the first one was 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 horror in 
similar to the first one was was comedy i should say that that in, in a similar way to Shaun of the dead played with sort of the tropes of the genre and and, and i really enjoy that um it was absolutely hilarious i left ma- i laughed many times during it and i hope that everybody enjoyed it at fright fest it is now available on dvd and blu-ray so please go out and buy it and it's tucker and dale versus evil um i really 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 enjoyed it it's um Basically, it's a reversal of the sort of hillbilly horror that we know from the Hills of Eyes and stuff like that. Um, it's based around two sort of hapless hillbillies who wander into the woods for a uh, for a cabin sort of weekend of fishing and bonding, um, and they are um, pitted against the typical sort of teenagers that would wander into the woods in a horror movie as well. Um, the whole thing really sort of, or certainly in the first half, revolves around the fact that we don't really know who's the good guys and who's the bad guys here. You know, Tucker and Dale are very likable characters, um, and you know, we we we, it's very easy to be, to become affectionate towards them and, and like them and and really enjoy being around them. But as far as these teenagers are concerned, um, they're the they're the hillbillies that are going to kill them with chainsaws. And it's just be- it's just beautifully done. It's it's so enjoyable to watch all this stuff play out, and it's so delicately done, and and at the same time so brutally done. It's 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 brilliant. Um, Tyler Labine as Dale is is very good, but I, I think biggest props have to go to Alan Tudyk as as Tucker. He absolutely rules it. Um, the pair of them are very, very enjoyable. Uh, it's a movie that was um, kind of released in 2010 and, as I say, is now readily available um, on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. I would absolutely recommend that you see it. I really enjoyed it. Um, and if they ever decided to do a Tucker and Dale sequel, I would absolutely watch it, um, or prequel even, as long as those uh, those two actors were involved. The second uh, possible uh, best comedy winner is again, as I say, a movie that we saw at Fright Fest, um, and a movie that completely blindsided me. I sat down to watch this particular movie. Um, it was late. Um, I was not necessarily in a bit of a mood, but I was, you know, I'd had a few drinks and I nearly didn't go and watch this. Um, it's Joseph Kahn's 2011 movie Detention. Um, it's very much a high school teenage slasher movie um, with a comic edge. You know, we've seen this type of stuff before, or we've seen that type of stuff before, I should say, um, many times with, uh, with of course, Scream and, and then to be later bastardised by the, the scary movie uh, series. Thing is, Detention does it in such an original visual way that it just it just blows your mind while you're watching it. I sat there and watched this with Ian and Jordan and it struck me as exactly the type of movie that, that Jordan would like. Um, and I, I could tell that Ian was having a great time as well. But I think for the first 20 minutes, I was being very cynical about it and I kind of didn't want to let it win. I kind of didn't want to, to be entertained by it because, you know, I'm an older guy and I, I look down on teenagers and blah, 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 blah et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I just didn't want, I don't know, I just, I just didn't want to like it for some reason. And then about 20 minutes in, I found myself just 
roaring with laughter and it completely won me over. It's very fast paced. It's very sort of MTV edited. Um, but Joseph Kahn has really stumbled onto something here and I can't wait to see what he does next. It was massively entertaining. It was absolutely hilarious. I haven't laughed at a movie quite as much as I laughed at Detention. And yes, I think that probably seals it for me. Um, yeah, best comedy uh, for uh, Film Round 365 will go to Joseph Kahn's 2011 movie, Detention. I don't know if it's available on Blu-ray and DVD at the moment, but if you have a Blu-ray player, pick it up on Blu-ray because it looked beautiful on the the screen at, at fright fest and um i'm sure it would look beautiful on uh, in hd as well so do go out and pick that up uh yeah film Rant 365 best comedy is detention moving on to best documentary um is a film that really really blew me away despite having zero interest in the subject matter um it was for a long time um, a film that I would say is would certainly end up either in my top five of the year or or at the very top of my uh, of top five of the year, and who knows it it could still. Um, directed by Asif Kapedia, um, this is uh, 2010's Senna. Uh, is a documentary about the Brazilian Formula One racing driver Ayrton Senna, who uh, died at age 34. Um, as I say, I have no interest in, in F1 whatsoever, and, and Ayrton Senna is somebody that I was aware of, but only for the fact that he died, um, and I kind of remember that happening. Um, it's weird to watch a documentary about... I mean, I, not only do I have no interest in, in F1, but when F1 comes on the TV, I will turn off immediately. I mean, that shit just bores the hell out of me. But there's something about the way this film is is put together... It just it's almost it's almost like a rocky movie just because it really gets you in the stomach um it's entirely constructed uh from um from existing footage um it's not a talking heads documentary the screening that i went to um the director was was available and he was talking about the various cuts of the film and you know he was talking about how at one point it was sort of seven hours long and then he had to get it down to four hours and then he had to get it down to two hours and it's amazing that there's so much footage out there and there's so many stories that apparently he didn't have the time to tell in uh you know in the two hours that was available to actually make this movie um obviously I mean the two hour running time he didn't make the movie in two hours um, and yeah it was fantastic There's I've seen an awful lot of documentaries this year um, some have been terrible some have been very good um, but Senna really really stands out it isn't just my best documentary it's you know it's a, it's a real contender for best film of the year for me i absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it i think it worked especially well in cinemas some of the in-car sequences where you've got Ayrton senna chasing down his his uh, most uh, deadly rival alan prost just worked so well and, and just really 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 whipped me into you know I, I couldn't believe that i could care so much about f1 um and it's it's fantastic um if you haven't seen it absolutely go out and see it uh go out and get it on uh, dvd and blu-ray don't think it's going to matter too much whether you see it on blu-ray or dvd to be honest with you because the footage is kind of 
kind of old and uh, you know if you want to pick it up on DVD for DVD cheap then I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference um, but yeah my film on 365 best documentary is Senna without question um, my best drama is one that I only watched very very recently um, and it kind of follows on from from uh, the best documentary category as well uh, the reason being it it's almost a documentary in itself, um, and it's one of the most experimental movies I think I've seen in a very, very long time. Um, I, as I say, I watched it very recently. It was on uh, TV recently as well on More 4, and as I record this, it is available on uh, the 4 on 4OD, and I would absolutely recommend that you go out and check it out as, as quickly as you can. Uh, it's filmed from 2010, directed by Cleo Barnard, and it's called The Arbor. Um... When I sat down to watch this, and I, I reviewed it very recently on um, on 35mm Hero, so I'll try not to drone on too much about it, but um, when I sat down to watch it, I was welcomed by the uh, the um, the uh, black and white screen that said, uh, you know, what you're about to see is actors lip-syncing the recordings of, you know, the stuff that this lip sync into recordings of people who this stuff happened to um, and I was immediately kind of turned off and I was like oh god this isn't going to work I'm not going to be able to take my mind off that fact and I'm going to be watching them mouth you know mouth the words to recordings and it's going to be really distracting and I'm going to hate this why did I stick this on I could not have been more wrong absolutely for the first 10 minutes or so you're looking at you're looking at the screen and you're thinking yeah that's not your words and it's kind of distracting a little bit but the, the level of performances in this film, uh, it just absolutely elevates everything, uh, you know, to, to, to something something absolutely incredible. The uh, the main, um, the the lead actress in it, uh, Manjinda Verk, uh, is incredible, but I think probably the biggest props have to go to Christine Bottomley. Um, she is amazing in it. And, and just every time, every time you are watching one of these actors mouth these words, you're just struck by how much work must have gone into actually doing this and getting every sort of, every inflection and every um, every mannerism right. Uh, you know, it, it must have been so much work. Just to explain what the plot um, is, if you can call it a plot, because it is kind of a documentary, um, it's about the life of uh, a playwright named Andrea Dunbar, um, who was a playwright in the 1980s who... Um, wrote Rita Sue and Bob too, among among other things, and she really wrote very gritty dramas, um, very real life stuff um, about the area in Bradford where she was from. Um, the The film then it talks about her life and it uses old documentary footage from a, a BBC documentary that was done about her. It uses uh, the sections with actors, um, you know, lip syncing uh, the, the the voice recordings of the people involved, and it also inserts almost plays um, that are conducted actually on the streets of of where of where she did all the writing and you know the area that, that her plays were about. Um, and and quite strangely, you've got sort of the 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 residents of the arbor stood in the background while these plays are being conducted in the middle of the green, um, it, you know, just on grass, uh, using some random props, this stuff's just being played out and there's people stood around watching. It sounds very disjointed and it sounds like an absolute mixed bag of stuff and to a degree it is, but it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It's very experimental. It's it's 
it deserves to win some serious awards. I mean, well, it's a 2010 film, so it has won awards already. Um, it was nominated for a BAFTA. Uh, it didn't win, unfortunately. But um, you know what? If it's any consolation, it's winning the Film Run 365 Best Drama category with Flying Colours. If you haven't seen it already, absolutely go and see it. I'll move on now to my Best Horror category. Now, those of you that know me won't be surprised to hear that I saw a lot of horror movies during 2011. I saw an awful lot of horror movies, of course, at Fright Fest, and I even saw a good handful at Leeds International Film Festival. And it was there that I saw my, um, my best horror movie of 2011. Released in 2011, um, this is a film that unfortunately probably most of you out there won't have seen. To this day, I think it's only been properly released in, uh, in France. It did show at the uh, London Film Festival. I would just say keep a very close eye out for the last screening. Um, known by its original title, original French title, Dernier Séance. Um, it's directed by Laurent Achard and stars Pascal Servo as Sylvain, who is a projectionist who runs a theatre that's basically that's basically going out of business. Um, he spends his days as a um, as a projectionist, and he spends his nights as kind of a twisted Norman Bates esque serial killer. I think it wears its it wears its influences very clearly on its on its sleeve. I think it's very very much psycho and it's very 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 much peeping tom and it feels like a british stroke euro horror movie from from the 1960s the whole feel of it is you know very much an homage to that stuff it's very dark it's kind of witty in 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 its own way it's kind of funny in its own weird way and it reminded me a little bit of a film that i was kind of cock a hoop for let's say a couple of years back Amer um the reason that it reminds me of Amer is not not in terms of style but the fact that it's so blatantly an homage to to something from the past and and something that that I love from the past it's beautifully done it's really really beautifully done I can't wait for people to see it I can't wait for it to be available on DVD and Blu-ray I can't wait to pick it up myself and watch it again and I can't wait to see uh, what other people's reactions to it are you know much like uh, much like the way I felt about Amer when when I finally got to sit down and watch it with Ian and Jordan at uh, Fright Fest yeah last screening Dernier Seance is my best horror uh, of 2011 my best sci-fi you could kind of call a horror maybe if you wanted to um, I didn't see much sci-fi in 2011, the reason being I'm not a massive sci-fi fan. However, I did see a couple of things that I really liked. Early on in the year, I saw Serenity, which I was very impressed with, and I kind of wasn't expecting to like quite so much. Um, however, my best sci-fi award goes to a film that it took me, I can't believe it took me so long to get around to see. Um, and it's a movie called Time Crimes. Movies involving time travel can can often be quite hit or miss, I find. This year I watched Primer, and I know that's a film that an awful lot of people really, really like. I didn't warm to it at all. Time Crimes, on the other hand, was brilliant. It's, for those of you who don't know, a Spanish horror movie, uh, sorry, Spanish horror sci-fi movie. <clears throat> Nearly slipped up there, yeah. It's 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 more of a sci-fi movie, I think, anyway. I guess you could call it a horror movie if you wanted to. It's 
very well crafted. It's obviously the the time elements of it are very well put together, and and it you know it's one of those it's one of those um, time travel movies where you get to see things over and over again from different perspectives. And I love that type of stuff. You know, ever since I thought, ever since I first saw Back to the Future Two, and saw you know multiple Martys running around, uh, I was totally in love with that type of thing. And Time Crimes does it in a very different way, but um, but you know it's it's excellent, absolutely excellent. Moving on from there, I will go straight on to my uh, best thriller category. Thrillers again. Uh, I watched an awful lot of these in two thousand eleven. I I watched an awful lot of everything in two thousand eleven. Let's just leave it there. I promise not to say that again. But the movie that I watched that that shone over and above everything else in in terms of uh, thriller was a movie that I watched on a train, um, and it's called Cell Two One One. Again, this is a Spanish movie, so uh, that's two awards in this category for Spain. Uh, sorry, in this section for Spain. And it's a prison drama that's um, basically the way things start off. You have a guy who is um, starting a new job at this uh, maximum security prison. There is a riot that starts up in the prison uh, led by the kind of the guy, the, the prison leader, I guess you'd call him, Mal Madre, who's brilliantly played by Louis Tosar and has a fantastic voice, a fantastic French voice for and for anybody who did French GCSE at school um, and can remember the Tricolor um, audiobook stuff, um, his voice is very much in, in that vein, very... And yeah, it's... Anyway, yeah, I digress. Um, it's a prison story, as I say. This young guard who has come to work at this prison ends up trapped in the prison and has to convince everybody that he's a new prisoner. And it's kind of like Donnie Brasco, but in a prison. It's brilliantly played both by Louis Tossar as Malmadre and Alberto Aman as Juan Oliver, who's the young lad who, who he kind of takes under his wing, uh, at first not knowing that he's uh, that he is who he is. And just watching this whole thing play out as, you know, almost, well, it's a siege movie in many respects. Cell 211, uh, it's a 2009 film directed by Daniel Monzon, and if you get the chance to see it, absolutely do. I know it got a limited cinematic release this year uh, in the UK, strangely, um, but it, it disappeared very quickly from my local art, art house cinema. I think it was only on for a week. I would imagine that means that it's probably available on DVD at least by now. Uh, so, uh, yeah, my best thriller of 2011 uh, is Cell 211. So that's it for uh, my best category. Best actor, Jack Lemmon for The Apartment. Best actress, Michelle Monaghan for Source Code. Best action movie, The Warriors. Best animated movie, Rango. Best comedy, Detention. Best documentary, Senna. Best drama, The Arbor. Best horror, The Last Screening. Uh, best sci-fi, Time Crimes. And best thriller, Cell 211. After this uh, little break, I'll be getting into some of the worst films of 2011 are certainly films that I took in during 2011. Hope you'll join me after the break. discussed a little bit some of the uh, better films that I got to see as part of the Film Rant 365 project um, and now we're going to move very quickly on to some of the worst. Like any cinematic year 
really you, you're always going to get a lot of good stuff and even more bad stuff and when you open up your movie viewing to, to films of all genres and all decades and, and, and you know and all types then um, you can have some extreme highs and extreme lows and um, while there have been some extreme highs this year there have been some very extreme lows the first category is uh, worst actor now again this is kind of the you know the, the you know sort of multiple nominations i'm going to go straight in and give you the actual winner of each category this first this first award goes to a man who damn well should know better and this is kind of the reason why i'm giving him this award this is a film that i only just saw in 2011 and i know many of you out there will have seen uh, pretty much as soon as it came out it's it's a film that <clears throat> I had no real interest in. I'm not a massive fan of the series in the way that I know some people are. This year I thought, well, you know what? It can't be that bad. This is, of course, Indiana Jones 4, or to give it its proper title, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And my award for worst actor goes to Harrison Ford. The film itself is silly in the extreme absolutely nonsensical and you know everybody involved should be absolutely ashamed of themselves but the worst thing about it is is not only is the dialogue really forced and the script absolutely terrible but it's delivered with such uncaring um it's 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 really obvious to me that you know <clears throat> Harrison Ford didn't want to do a fourth Indiana Jones for many years and I think for many years he was saying oh you know we'll we'll do it when the right script comes up I don't think he believed that this was the right script. And it comes across very clearly in his delivery. He is absolutely phoning it in. And, and Indiana Jones, although, as I say, it's not a series that I'm massively, you know, really that into. I, I enjoyed all the movies, uh, but, you know, it's not... <clears throat> I don't have the same affection for it that a lot of other people do. I think the one great thing about Indiana Jones was that he always had a charm about him. He always had this sort of wry smile and he was... You know, Harrison Ford has always been good at playing the, the good guys that are kind of secret bad guys. <clears throat> and there was something about Indiana Jones that was just like, you know, he wasn't particularly tough. He was just, well, I mean, he, he's tough, but he was a bit sort of like fallible. He was, he's, you know, he, he was that type of character. And it just didn't come across here. It just read like he was literally reading lines off a piece of paper and he didn't want to be there. Horrible performance, horrible film. The blame doesn't entirely lay at Shia LaBeouf's feet, but yeah, he can take some of it. I think the main part of the blame um, is obviously Spielberg and Lucas, but you know, a lot of the blame can go on to Harrison Ford. He really didn't put in a, a performance that was worthy of the Indiana Jones name. And uh, yeah, worst actor, film run 365, 2011, Harrison Ford for Indiana Jones 4. Worst actress, um, similar to worst actor, this is a movie that was a fourth unnecessary entry in a series of films. It was a film I hated, uh, but unlike Indiana Jones, it's, a, it's a, a series of films that I have an awful lot of love for. For some reason, this year, Wes Craven decided to make Scream 4. I was against it from day one. I, I could see no reason why this film needed to be made. And as Scream 4 kind of approached and we got information about these new rules and everything, 
it seemed like, you know what, maybe Wes Craven's actually got something interesting to say and he's been sitting on something and, you know, maybe we're going to actually get something something new and something fresh to bring to the Scream franchise. We absolutely did not. Uh, this was number 100 in my film rank 365, uh, Scream 4, and my Worst Actress uh, award goes to Nev Campbell. I don't know what she's been doing with her career for the last few years. I know she's done a few sort of little indie projects and stuff, you know, coming back to the, the, the franchise, certainly the movie franchise that made her, uh, makes absolute sense. And I'm sure she got paid very well for it. But I am so bored with see, seeing her, you know, distressed Sydney Prescott routine. And the film was just so immediately dated and unnecessary. And I think one of the worst um, contributors to that was Nev Campbell just doing the same thing that we've seen her do many times before and with no real reason. It, it just, the whole film had no reason and, <clears throat> and and should never have been made, really. Moving on to the genre categories. There was an awful lot of bad action movies that I saw this year, but all failed to live up to the awesome shitness that was Battle L.A. Again, going into this, this was a film that I didn't really expect anything particular from. And quite often that can be a good thing, I think. You know, sometimes you can go in with low expectations and uh, and be very happy with, with what you receive. You might just be entertained. Um, I think one, one of the best examples of that from 2011, uh, certainly in Film Run 365 terms, was a, uh, a movie called Faster, which I expected absolutely nothing from and was actually warned off by uh, by Ian. But I went in with low expectations. I had a great time with it. Battle LA, on the other hand, no. It was just people running around, things exploding. I didn't know what was going on. And it did the worst thing that an action movie can do or any movie can do. And, and that's just be boring. I can forgive films an awful lot of stuff, but if a film's boring, then that's, that's the cardinal sin. Battle LA was boring. It was incoherent and I didn't care about any of the people involved so worst action movie award goes to Battle LA. Worst animated there was a couple that could have gone into this category and I wouldn't say this was a film that I hated but it was a film that really didn't deserve the name of uh, of Pixar and that's Cars 2. I'm sure that I'm sure that Cars 2 will serve very young children quite quite well and I'm sure it'll entertain them and it's blatantly obvious to me that that's the reason that it was made you know it, it's not like Wally it's not like um so many other films in the uh in, in the Pixar franchise that that kind of they appeal to children but they also have an awful lot of other stuff going on that adults can enjoy as well uh it's it's obvious to me that Cars 2 much like Cars 1 uh was made purely for for children but we kind of we've kind of come to expect something more from Pixar, and it's it's insane to me that the same company that's making Toy Story three can be making Cars two, based solely on the fact that it doesn't deserve the Pixar name. I have to say that Cars two is my worst animated movie of uh, of two thousand eleven. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't say avoid it like the plague. Um, it certainly looks pleasant enough in parts. Uh, it, it opens very well, but there's not much of a plot there and there's not much interesting going on, unfortunately. So, uh, yes. Best 
uh, sorry, I should say worst comedy. Wow, this was a, a fiercely fought contest to win this particular award. I feel like I should be sort of doing some honourable men or, or dishonourable mentions for this category. I saw an awful lot of terrible comedies this year. Probably the, some of the worst of them would include anything with Kevin James. Or let me see what else there was. The Switch, that was pretty terrible. The Dilemma was just awful. Um, I saw uh, Ryan Reynolds in Just Friends. That was terrible. Um, I saw Our Idiot Brother, which I know Ian liked, but I just hated. But the worst offender, the worst comedy offender of, of, of Film Run 365 uh, goes to a movie called I'm Reed Fish. I won't bang on about it too much. I will just read out to you the tweet uh, that I put out after watching the film. Film Ramp 365, number 76, I'm Reed Fish. A film that grins moronically at you like a drooling, lobotomized child sucking on a lollipop. And that's really what it was. It, 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 horrible, 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 saccharine nonsense. Terrible movie. Worst comedy uh, of the year, uh, I'm Reed Fish. Moving on to worst documentary. It's difficult to award a worst documentary, really, because, you know, sometimes sometimes you watch a documentary and it's just not it's not a, an area of interest to you. It's just, it's not a subject area that is going to grab you anyway. Um, however, in 2011, I did watch an awful lot of movies that weren't necessarily for me um, in terms of subject matter. Senna being probably the most obvious example of that. I believe a good documentary can turn you round no matter what it's about. I, I believe you can enjoy a good... If a documentary is done well, it doesn't matter if it's not your your type of thing or you know an area that you would naturally be, be interested in. I'm not particularly interested in war, but if I see a good war documentary, it should pull me in. However, probably about halfway through... Well, probably the first half of the year anyway, at least, uh, I saw a movie called... A documentary called Cropsey, now, this was sold to me on the fact that it was based around an idea of an urban legend, you know, the, the guy who lives in the woods, the creepy guy who lives in the woods who kills people and is such a thing a reality, can such a thing exist? And, you know, we've all got sort of, we've all got boogeymen that lived nearby uh, when we were growing up, whether they were fictional or they were just weird guys that lived at the end of the street. Now... Cropsy was sold to me based on that, and when the when the documentary kicks off, it gets gets into that type of thing. You know, it gets into the whole sort of we all have urban legends. We all have a guy who lives down the end of the street who's a bit odd, and you know, but this is a situation where you know those urban legends came true, and 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 based on that type of premise, it sounded really interesting. Unfortunately, after like the first fifteen minutes of that, it just drifts off into some you know, to some Channel 5 serial killer documentary, that it was really very, very generic made-for-TV serial killer stuff. And it started out so well, and the idea was such a good one, but it just, it used that great premise of, of urban legends and, and, and local boogeymen. It used that to um, to just frame a very generic serial killer documentary. So it was massively disappointing. Uh, and for that reason, uh, Cropsey gets my Film Lamp 365 worst documentary. Um, moving on to drama, 
oh god how can I count the ways I hated this film it was one of two films I didn't watch the second film based on how terrible the first one was I know it's a film that an awful lot of people like it's a film I absolutely loathed it was before sunrise uh, the story of um, two people who meet and spend the day wandering around a beautiful European city and you know their sort of burgeoning relationship in this beautiful setting the the dialogue was just I, I, I think one of the reasons that people like this is that apparently there's this chemistry between these two people and there's this great dialogue and this great backwards and forwards and I just did not get that at all they meet on a train in Europe, they spend one day together wandering around Vienna and the whole premise of the film is this is the only time that they're going to spend together and then at the end, spoiler alert for this shit film, they decide that you know they'll meet, they'll meet up maybe years in the future at the same place and do it all over again. Apparently Before Sunset is the one where they meet up together and do it all again and I will never know because I'll never watch that pile of wank. Uh, this is directed by Richard Linklater. Um, who's done an awful lot of good stuff in his time. Um, Dazed and Confused, A Scanner Darkly. He also did Slacker, which is a, another movie that a lot of people like that I just could not warm to at all. But yeah, this doesn't install any extra faith in his career for me, so I will never watch uh, the sequel to this movie, and frankly, I am devastated that I spent 90 minutes or so of my life watching this insufferable pile of cack speaking of insufferable insufferable piles of cack I move on to my worst horror I didn't walk out of many movies uh, at Fright Fest this year in fact I didn't walk out of any except this one I I know Ian kind of was a little bit sort of um, he didn't quite think that, that Fright Fest had a great lineup this year he saw an awful lot more shit than I did um, I saw quite a lot of good stuff and there was there were some things like The Divide that I liked and Jordan and Ian really didn't like. However, on the Sunday evening, I think it was, or possibly the Monday, we were treated to a British uh, a British horror movie and, and I, I take no pleasure in, in singling out a British horror movie and slating it. Um, but yeah, a British horror movie that goes by the name of Inbred. This is directed by a guy called Alex Shandon. The film is about some young offenders who go off to spend a weekend in Yorkshire uh, with their carers. The idea being that they get out there and you know they they bond and they do some activities and stuff like that. However, because they're in Yorkshire, um, they're soon attacked by local inbreds, uh, local weirdos and freaks of all different types. And, whoa, um, just, I walked out of the screening of this. It was a terrible, it was a terrible film, but the reason that I walked out of the screening was because it was just bloody offensive. It singles out Yorkshire and basically shows you that everybody in Yorkshire is a toothless, inbred moron who wants to rape and skullfuck you. And, you know what, I don't even... I don't get offended by that much, but this really pushed my buttons. And I think seeing a bunch of seeing a bunch of Southerners on stage at Fright Fest patting themselves on the back 
I just felt offended on behalf of people from Yorkshire. And the fact that it was coming from these smart asses um, who cheered their way through the opening credits in the most obnoxious way possible. I mean, that didn't help. Like the fact that they, the fact that they were sort of cheering every name. That, that there was obviously a big bunch of them that had come along to see their their little premiere um, at Fright Fest, and they all sat at the back of the they all sat at the back of the uh, theater and screamed and cheered and yipped and whooped every time somebody's name came up on the screen. Now, as punters. The Fright Fest audience were all sat there thinking, who the fuck are these guys? And it didn't set things off very nicely. So when the movie started, and it was absolutely abysmal um, and bloody offensive, I just found myself leaving. It was horrible. Uh, the worst the worst cinematic experience I've had in my life, I think. It was just obnoxious, and I don't want to give it any more time so i'm moving on to worst sci-fi as i said a little bit before when i was talking about um action movies the worst offense that a film can conduct is being boring and there was no more boring sci-fi than i saw this year than pandorum uh, which i watched quite early on in the year lots of people walking around in the dark uh whispering and i watched this in blu-ray as well and i still couldn't see what was going on it was just it was boring and it was it's it's one of those it's one of those movies that like I sat there with my finger hovering over the stop button all the way through it. I stuck it out till the end. God knows why. I think it was just because I didn't want to sort of like I didn't want to cheat. By God it was it was it was tough going. Um a terrible, boring, ugly film. And for his second award of this section we go back to Harrison Ford. I picked up a Blu-ray quite cheaply of a movie that he did recently. Uh, well, I say recently. Let me see. It's probably a few years old. Um, this is Harrison Ford in... Oh, yeah, it is a few years old. <clears throat> this is Harrison Ford in I'm wearing a tie and my family have been taken mode, um, which we're all very familiar with. Uh, this is Harrison Ford and Paul Bettany in Firewall. Um, Harrison Ford is a man who wears a tie. His family are taken and he has to get his family back. We've all seen it before, whether it's in Firewall or in one of the other many films where that happens. But by God, this was boring. Very unthreatening bad guys, which didn't help. And it had a terrible, terrible, terrible score that's... The worst thing about the score, the score is that the score seemed to think that there was more dramatic things going on on the screen than was going on on the screen. Um, so it, it just it all added to to just a very boring, very silly um, action thriller. And um, yeah, at this point, Harrison, I really have no idea what's going on in your career because I didn't see Cowboys and Aliens this year, but. From what I've heard, it wasn't good, so maybe it's time to book up your ideas. I'll just call it a fucking day, frankly. So, yeah, that was my worst movies of Film Ramp 365. Worst actor goes to Harrison Ford for Indiana Jones 4. Worst actress goes to Nev Campbell for Scream 4, or if you prefer, Scream. Um, worst action goes to Battle Los Angeles. Worst animated, Cars 2. Worst comedy, I'm Rufus. Uh, worst documentary, Cropsey. 
Worst drama before sunrise, worst horror, inbred, worst sci-fi Pandorum, and worst thriller, Firewall. With Film Ramp 365 now consigned to the history books then, I have decided that I need a bit of a new project for 2012 and it's one which is less about seeing as many films as possible and is much more about getting back to doing a little bit more writing. Uh, as always, I'll be writing for Eat Sleep Live Film on a regular basis and I'll still be a member of the 35mm Heroes team of course. But now that I've finished with 365 and I've also stepped back from co-organising the Grim Up North Film Festival, I have got a little bit more time on my hands uh, and I must say it hasn't been difficult coming up with uh, something to fill it. Back in April I wrote a series of articles for Eat Sleep Live Film called Rentals Revisited and these kind of allowed me to go back to my childhood and really indulge myself in some serious nostalgia by re-watching a number of films that I first saw on VHS as a child that left something of an impression on me. So there were things like Stuart Garden's From Beyond and uh, Stuart Garden's Dolls, uh, Mike Marvin's The Wraith, uh, Tibor Takax's The Gate, uh, Richard Venk's Vamp, and finally Brian Usner's Society. Uh, now these articles meant that not only was I able to sort of transport myself back to a much simpler time to relive some of these VHS classics all over again, but I could also indulge myself in thinking about what it was like growing up uh, as a horror-obsessed child of the 80s with a local video shop that had no respect for the recently introduced laws about giving children access to movies filled with sex and violence. Anyway, I, I honestly can't remember having enjoyed writing so much as I did when I was uh, writing these Rentals Revisited articles. So I've decided that for 2012, I'm going to put together a book that does something very similar. I've been very busy on eBay recently uh, and have managed to acquire a glorious old VHS video player, a lovely old Bang & Olufsen CRT television, and I've started building a collection of bizarre old ex-rental VHS videotapes. Um, I've carved out a little corner in my brand new apartment where I'll be attempting to transport myself back to my youth using all of the above. And I'll be writing in detail about what I'm thinking at this point is going to be about 50 of these tapes. So I'll be studying the beautiful artwork, uh, looking into the history behind the films themselves, uh, and then obviously watching the videos and, and, and studying the trailers that go before the main feature, and of course studying the, the, the movies themselves and, and, and writing about that. I'll also be filling out the book with some other good stuff that will hopefully get to the heart of why I go all, all warm and fuzzy when I so much as think about big box video cases. Uh, now, I'm sure there's people out there that will say what I'm doing is, is nothing more than undertaking a, a massive self-indulgent exercise in nostalgia, and on some level I'd be inclined to, to agree with them, but the truth of the matter is I just want to write a book, plain and simple, and this is what I want to write it about. Um, Adventures in VHS, as the project is tentatively titled, um, will be something that, we'll, that I'll approach publishers with hopefully at the end of 2012. Uh, but failing that, I may publish it myself as an ebook. It really just depends on some of the issues around it. I mean, I would like to put it out, obviously, as a real book because then I can publish the, the artwork and the covers and everything like that. Um, 
but over the course of the year as well I'll be putting out a selection of these articles on Eat Sleep Live Film for people to just have a taster of and just uh, see what they think. Um, at this stage I just ask that if you do like what you read please spread the word, leave as many comments as you can, um, feel free to get in touch and use social networks to sort of retweet things and, and plus one things if people are still using plus one next year um, and, and, and everything else you know like them on Facebook and everything like that that would be really really helpful if you do like what you read that would be great uh, because it, in the long run it may end up sort, sort of helping me um, either you know get off my ass to write these things uh, on a regular basis and it may also just help me sort of get it out into the world and, and, and hopefully get it published um, like that so uh, so yeah that's 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 it that's adventures in VHS you can head to adventures in I think I only bought it yesterday but yeah com adventures in com and that will redirect you to the part of filmrant.co.uk um, where you can sort of uh, get in touch with me and stuff like that um, and that's about that I mean Film Ramp 365 is dead uh, long live adventures in VHS I hope you enjoyed this podcast and if you've got any comments or feedback you can as always either hit me up on Twitter via at Film Rant, or you can drop me an email on noel at filmrants.co.uk uh, the music you heard on the show was a selection of tracks from albums I've been listening to in 2011 although some of them come from albums released in 2010. Uh, but just to go through as we go through those, we started out with Animus Vox by The Glitch Mob, and that's taken from the album Drink the Sea. Uh, then it was Changing the Rain by The Horrors from the album Skying. Uh, that was followed by AKA Broken Arrow from the album Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds. To close the show and usher in the era of adventures in VHS, I'm going to play you out with a track from the fantastic soundtrack album to John Fasano's Black Roses, which I'm delighted to say will be one of the movies featured on the uh, book in progress. So all that remains for me to say is Happy New Year, and I will see you all on Twitter. And yeah, thanks for joining me tonight. Um, much love. Bye.